because I had invested in myself, but you can't take away what's up here, you know? So um, that's the thing. So if you invest in yourself, get, get, get good at what you're doing, and it doesn't matter what happens, you know, you could always come back and, you know, a lot of times come back stronger. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals podcast. And today our guest is Jeff Anzalone. Jeff is a periodontist and he is the host, the owner of DebtFreeDoctor.com. It's actually DebtFreeDR.com. And today he's going to talk to us about some of the issues that he faced, the, the challenges that he faced when he first got into the professional world. He first got out of his residency and how he solved those financial issues. They're, they're major issues. Like he, he faced a big problem. He's going to tell you all about it. And it's a problem that's similar to what a lot of doctors and dentists face when they first get out of medical school. We talk about things that doctors can do to minimize and, and get rid of their debt, prepare for retirement, and build passive streams of income so that they have enough to retire on when they get to the point where they want to retire or they're able to enjoy their time, enjoy their life, take some time off throughout their career, take some vacations and just live a more comfortable life by doing some of these things that Jeff is going to tell you about today. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and share the return. Appreciate you tuning in today. Once again, our guest is Jeff Anzalone. Without any further ado, here we go. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Looking forward to it. Happy to talk with you. I've been thinking about it all day. The debt-free doctor. I love it. There's a lot of doctors with debt problems, wealth problems. So happy to talk with you today. For those out there who don't know about you and your business, can you tell us a bit about your history and what you do? Sure. I'm a, a periodontist by trade. I, um, the, the way that I started my site was built on some experiences that I had in the past, a, a bunch of uh, kind of bad experiences and failures, which I think helps people get to where they are, probably mm-hmm. most successful people. But um, a, a couple of weeks before I was supposed to finish up my residency program, the job offer that I had promised to me fell through. So it left my wife and I with close to $300,000 in student loan debt, two month old. And we'd already bought a house that was, we were just paying interest only on two months before. So it was, it was a bit tough, but I guess the worst part of it was, you know, for anybody that's gone to dental school, medical school, law school, anything like that, you don't know anything about running a business. So I had no idea about how to start a practice, how to run a practice. And I was relying on, on the group that I was supposed to go in with to teach me. So that was, um, that was a little stressful during our first few years of marriage, as you can imagine. It definitely but, sounds um, like it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, long story short, I had a, um, another person in my hometown that would, kind of went through the similar situation. He took me under his wing and uh, allowed me to rent space from him. But um, 
he was in the process of renovating a building. So we didn't actually get into it for like nine months. So for the first nine months, I had to just kind of work out of other people's offices. Plus I had to resort to going back to what I used to do in high school and college. And that was mowing yards. Really? Yeah. So I was the most educated lawn guy probably in the United States at that time. <laughs> wow. So you got to do what you got to do, you know? No kidding. And was that just to, to generate the income to pay down your debts and keep your house and everything? Like it was a got to get the money coming in type of situation. Periodontist is, isn't paying for it. Yeah. I mean, just while hardly anything was coming in, it was just to pay the bills, just, you know, paying the interest on the house, paying the food and keeping the lights on. That's, you know, for those first year. And um, it was tough, you know, but it's uh, it was a learning experience. It definitely changed my view and my outlook about money and, uh, and about how quickly things can be taken from you, especially if you're not prepared, you know, in, in certain yeah. situations. Because, you know, I never really thought about not being able to pay for my student loans. I was going to get out and make a decent income. And that, I think that's how most people think when they're in that position. But when you get it all taken away, it's kind of like, okay, now what? what's your backup plan? What are you going to do? So uh, I, I think it, you know, it helped me in all different aspects and different avenues of my life. Wow. So the the struggle was ultimately worth it. Now uh, let's fast forward and, and tell us about starting debt-free doctor and we'll get to, you know, some of these really important lessons that you've learned and now you're, you're teaching others. So tell us about debt-free doctor and, and starting that up and you know, what, what drove that? I started it when I, I reached a couple of goals. You know, one was was being, you know, per the per the website, uh, debtfreedr.com was becoming uh, debt free. But um, also, I reached a point in my life where I had reached a lot of different goals. One of them being with the debt, but some other different financial goals. And I got to the point where it was kind of like, now what? You know, hmm. and, and I was kind of thinking about it. Somebody interviewed me the other day on a podcast and we were talking about it. And I said, well, you know, you got to kind of learn to pivot in life. You know, at that time, I was a big Dave Ramsey follower, kind of went through his different seven baby steps. And you notice for the first 20, 25 years, that was all he was focused on was helping people become debt free. But now you, you've started to see a change because the, those same people are calling back in, you know, go, hey, Dave, we're debt free. All right. Now what? <laughs> right. You know, so he's had to actually make a, a, a change in his, you know, his set new goals and, and do different things. And now if you listen to his show, it's all about uh, becoming a millionaire. Hmm. And he's partnered with Chris Hogan. They've written a book called Everyday Millionaires. So now he teaches people, you know, sort of once you get there, how do you build wealth, uh, become a millionaire, that sort of thing. So I think I got to that point where, okay, well, I've reached these goals, kind of like now what? And that kind of inspired me to start the site because the site was initially about, you know, the, the different problems that I had, the, the getting out of the debt, the different things that we did, and then just some basic investing advice, uh, mainly with index funds 
you know, just setting up an emergency fund, basic stuff. But I started realizing that, you know, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Um, at that time I was 40. And mm-hmm. and as I got up in the mornings, uh, my knees would hurt and my, my shoulder would hurt. And, and I was like, man, what's going on? So, you know, I know I couldn't practice forever. And anybody that's in dentistry knows it's, it's very physically demanding. There's a lot of people that have to retire because of neck and back issues. So, I started thinking, well, what happens if I get disabled? What happens if I'm injured? Because most people only have one source of income. You know, their earned income, their active income, which as you know, is also the highest taxed income as well. So that was one aspect of it. The other one was, and I've got some friends that have some businesses that they can take off a couple of months in the summer, go, you know, out, we like going out to the mountains in the summer and they could do that. And I, I would, I was like, well, I'd love to do that with my kids while they're still, you know, young and still, you know, living at home, but I can't because um, if dad's not working, no money's coming in, mm-hmm. no passive income, no streams of income, anything. So it was at that point where I started uh, researching, educating myself about it. And, and I got a lot of it out of the fire community, but I didn't really know much about it. So as I was learning about it, I was adding those things that I was learning to my website as well. So sharing with others, and it seems to me that a lot of the the issue or the, the problem that you know, folks that have in that situation, especially very high income professionals like doctors and, and dentists and, and lawyers in, in many cases have is lifestyle creep you know you're you're not the only one you're you might be the only earner in the household and you're right if you get injured or something you have to stop working that income dries up but the spend on a you know monthly or yearly basis is so enormous that you know it's not like you could go get a a regular office job or anything like that it's just you spend like a high-paid person is that still a common issue with folks? I mean, that it's, it seems like it was for a long time, but with the, the popularity of the fire movement, particularly, you know, it seems amongst um, fat fire movement with, amongst uh, doctors and, and dentists, mm-hmm. things like that. Is that still an issue? And are you helping folks uh, deal with that at all? I, I think it's an issue. What I, was, I went through the uh, Dave Ramsey financial coaching course to get certified not so much to coach, but just to, to know how to talk to people, to figure out, because now I'm, I mainly want to have a conversation. It's about real estate and, and whether or not it's a good fit for them, because some people it's not, you know, and ethically, I want to be able to tell somebody that's $800,000 in debt that's looking in to get a lot of this stuff, which I, you know, I, that's the kind of conversations I have with some of these younger guys who get out of school. So, you know what, you're just, it's great that you're looking at it, but right now I would focus on, you know, doing some other things until you get to, to you know, get to that point. But um, kind of on the other end of the spectrum, what really opened my eyes were a lot of these people that I was talking to were in their 60s, some of them in their 70s, and had no money. Wow. But these were people that had good 
you know, million plus dollar a year practices that they were collecting and they were broke. And it was just, you know, one excuse after the next, you know, well, I had to pay off my practice. And then, then I had colleges and I had weddings and then I, you know, we had cars and country clubs and all this. And, and so to answer your question, I, I still think it is an issue. Uh, I think it's actually worse now with how bad the social media is. Everybody's mm. looking at what everybody's buying and, and the luxury trips are going on and, well, Hey, he, he works down the street from me. And if he can do that, why can't I do that? You know, sort of thing. So I, I, I think it's, I think it's actually getting worse, unfortunately. Wow. Wow. I mean, that, that is really something just to, I can't, I can barely even imagine being that deep in debt, particularly, you know, non real estate related loans. I mean, it's one thing if you've got 800,000 in mortgages on cash flowing properties, that's great. But 800,000 in the student debt and consumer debt, things like that. I mean, that is just a, a huge, huge bill. And I can see why you might give different, you know, guidance to someone like that compared to, you know, somebody that's a bit older, that's maybe has less debt, not a lot of assets, but they really need to build up those assets. And it's definitely, it's interesting and I don't know, disheartening or what have you to hear that, uh, it, it, the, the problem <laughs> might be getting worse. Um, what, you know, is it, is this something that we need to, or, or, you know, doctors, dentists, things like that need to really make sure they catch early and control it and, and control that lifestyle creep and start buying real estate. I mean, it, I just wonder how do you balance that, um, that, that, that aspect of if you're a dentist and you're not in the chair, then you're not making money, but it takes work to build up a real estate portfolio. So how do you, you know, balance those two sides of the equation to, to build up passive income? I don't think there's just one, one way to do, you know, from Louisiana, we like to say there's, you know, there's multiple ways to skin a cat, you know, so to speak. Yeah. But I, um, I don't think there's just one way to do something. I just tell people how I did it. And then, you know, you can tweak it a little bit, you know, so for instance, with the Dave Ramsey method, he doesn't recommend you do any investing until you're consumer debt free. Well, I, I didn't follow that because I didn't want to miss out on all those years of compounding interest in my practice's retirement account. So I did both. I was diligent enough to not only fund those retirement account retirement accounts for my wife and I, but also pay down aggressively on our consumer debt. And at that time, it was mainly the student loan debt. Mm. So, you know, again, I, I don't think there's, you know, if I would have just looked at what he did, then I would have missed out on a lot of those compounding returns. So um, I, I usually teach people, recommend that before they start doing a lot of the different types of real estate investing, maybe, you know, looking at the type of debt they have. You know, if it's 1% student loan debt, which a lot of it's really, really low now, you know, that's one thing. But you, if you have 18% credit card debt, you know, that that's something that, you know, that I would recommend that you clean up first amongst other things. So it depends on the situation, but um, I like to take Grant Cardone's approach a little bit where he's always telling people initially to uh, invest in yourself when you're getting out and really get good at whatever you do 
you know, go to continuing education courses, you know, learn the newest techniques or, you know, whatever strategies to really focus on building up your active income. And then as you do that, you know, put a little money back just to save it, you know, just in a checking account or something. And, and as that grows, and once it gets to an amount where you can do some, you know, if you want to do some pass to real estate or, or, or something like that, then you can do it. But again, you're focusing on bettering yourself first. We lived in New Orleans and then luckily we moved two months before Hurricane Katrina hit. Wow. So if my practice would have been there, uh, it would have probably been wiped out. But here's the thing, you know, you can you can wipe out a building and a practice, but because I had invested in myself, you can't take away what's up here, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, that's the thing. So it, you invest in yourself, get, get, get good at what you're doing, and it doesn't matter what happens, you know, you could always come back and, you know, a lot of times come back stronger. So in a, in a nuts and bolts sense, you know, what does that mean for, for someone out there, you know, uh, fresh out of dental school or medical school investing in yourself? I mean, is that learning how to, how to run a business? Kind of like you said at the top of the interview, uh, that that's something you didn't know how to do when you got out of school. I mean, is that kind of the, the first route that most, you know, such professionals should go? Is that the most common deficiency or what do you think? And, you know, we should really, or they should really be doing in that case. Yeah. And that's changed a lot since I got out, uh, because now somebody coming out and starting their own practice is very rare because not only are they in so much student loan debt, it's so expensive to start a practice or to buy a practice. So a lot of times they'll just join somebody. They'll just go in and, and maybe that's the best route because a lot of these companies they'll actually have a student loan payback program, you know? Mm-hmm. So while they're in that situation, if they're working for somebody or working for a company, uh, bettering themselves by taking different courses, you know, learning new techniques. But if your goal is during the you know time, a couple of years that you're working for somebody, if your ultimate goal is to be your own, um, boss, you know, buy a practice or start your own practice during that time period, uh, learning, maybe getting a mentor. Um, you know, I had a couple of people that, that would help me. I could call them, you know, anytime. And that's with really any business, you know, I have a real estate mentor that, um, I can call, ask questions about. So, you know, a, a lot of people that, that are very successful, they have no problem with helping you. You know, and that's another reason why I started my site, debtfreedr.com, is to share what I've learned. Because you know what, uh, Taylor, I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for all the other people that have helped me get here. And, and that's, I think that's true with a lot of people. Absolutely. And I, I agree 100% that, especially in this real estate space, that's because it's the one I can speak to, is the successful people are very giving. I mean, they don't have an infinite amount to give, but a lot of successful investors are happy to jump on the phone, have a quick chat or, you know, provide some, some guidance or information something like that you know, without strings attached. And, and I've been, I've been amazed by that. So uh, for folks out there, they invest in themselves, pay down that medical debt, maybe, you know, weigh the pros and cons and potentially invest in their retirement account to get that compounding going kind of like you did. 
but you know, making that transition over to real estate investments, I, you know, I want to go back to that a little bit is, you know, what is the most conducive avenue in real estate for, you know, doctors and dentists, because I can see, you know, if you're out buying houses, things like that in your own name, that might spend a lot of time, but it's also potentially a, a big liability. You know, you're, you could run into liability issues. I'm not a lawyer, but that seems obvious. So, you know, what's the best route to take to, to make a return, protect yourself and not distract too much from the, the main source of income? Well, that's a good, that's a real good question. Again, I think that depends on the person. Uh, I, I do think that you should, if you're thinking about doing this or, or any type of investment, it, it should come down to your why, you know, why are you doing this? You know, the Simon Sonic book, start with why. And, and like I told you, my why was I only had one source of income. So I wanted to get more sources of income. I wanted to diversify and I, and I wanted more free time, you know, time to take off with my kids, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted to be an active investor. But I didn't know really much about passive investing. And the more that I dug into it and the more that I saw how my friends that did it full time, I realized very quickly, I did not want to be a landlord and, and it was going to take up a whole lot more time. And, and because I had my goals set out, well, then I just, I didn't even pursue that anymore. I just kind of scratched it off, you know, like, you know what, this isn't going to help me get to, you know, this goal. So I moved on to uh, looking at some of the passive income, uh, one of them being crowdfunding. And that's kind of how I got started with the real estate is was doing some things online that uh, would, you know, you put your money in, you sometimes would pool it with other people and start getting a return depending on what, you know, type of sector you were in. So how did that work out for you? I mean, are you still doing that? What did you learn initially? We haven't talked a lot about crowdfunding on the show in the past, but a lot of people are probably familiar with it, but what, what had happened for you when you did that? At that time, the, the two big players were patchofland.com mm -hmm. and Realty Shares. And, and I would listen to some podcasts. I, I, would, I would read uh, you know, some articles and, and those, those two names kept coming up. So I, I learned a little bit, I, I think just enough to be dangerous about um, <laughs> crowdfunding. But um, the first, I think, three or four deals that I did were, were with those two sites, and, and they were both uh, debt deals. So they were pretty small, $5,000 or less for each deal. Mm. And for the most part, those, those worked out pretty well, uh, even though, I, again, I didn't know what I was doing. But um, that's kind of how I got started. Well, that's good. That's good. Are you still investing in those today? Has your strategy evolved you know, as time went on, you know, if you were pleased or not pleased, you know, as, as far as the overall experience goes, like where, where are you investing now? That's a good question. And I, I think I'm going to answer one of the questions that you were going to ask me at the end of the show about <laughs> my worst investment. <laughs> but um, I, I decided after doing those deals to step it up a notch and went to doing my first equity deal, which was actually multifamily with realty shares. 
this was I think in 2017 and really the only the, the way that that I was picking out properties was probably how most people in my situation picked out properties you go on the website and you look at all the pretty pictures and then you would look at the return and you go okay that sounds pretty good I'm going to mess with them and, and that's what I did and that investment was a apartment complex in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And after about a year and a half after the investing and not getting any distributions, uh, every investor lost their money. Oh, the deal yeah. fell through. So that, that was tough. <laughs> it was in a, you know, come to find out later, it was in a crime infested area. There was more people moving out than moving in. Mm. The, sponsor was putting you know when they were remodeling they were putting money in too fast to recoup their investment so it was kind of a, a little bit of everything kind of a perfect storm came together and um that's what happened wow yeah that sucks man Geez. So, I mean, are you still investing in private placements? Has your, your method for finding and evaluating them changed? I mean, where do you stand now? It was a couple of years ago. That was actually the catalyst to, to really have me start. And I, and I made a, a complete shift on the website to really focus in now 85, 90% on passive income, passive real estate because of that because I wanted people to learn from my mistake, but I also didn't want people to make the same mistakes that I made. So I shifted, you know, doing that. But um, it, it really forced me to start really learning about it. Um, I'm, in, I'm by no means an expert, but I started going out, meeting people, going to events, and then found some sponsors that I um, personally met you know, I know them, I know their families, I know where they live. So if, if, if they screw me, I know where I can you know, <laughs> go knock on their door, you know, you know, because of, um, a lot of these websites like Realty Shares, which as you probably know, they went under a few years ago, and mm -hmm. roughly took over them. But, you know, they were saying that they go through hundreds of, they're pitched hundreds of deals a month, but they're only putting the top ones on their website. But the thing is, there's all these different sponsors and, and you don't know anybody. And, and I'm not going to say any names, but I know a group that said that they actually pitch some deals to people like them. And they're like, there's, there's hardly any questions. They hardly even look at it. They just approve it and put them on the site. Mm. So all this due diligence, they said that they were doing, you know, it doesn't really seem like they were doing it. You know, and so I learned how to do a lot of that myself. And that's a lot of the stuff that I teach people to do, whether they want to do it themselves or not. We still need to be going through the same process, you know, vetting the sponsors, you know, because you want to you really want to trust somebody. And, and the analogy that I give is if you've been with your dentist for 20 years and you go in for a routine cleaning and they look at a back tooth, say, hey, it's like a crack back here in your tooth. Uh, Taylor, I think you need a crown on it. I mean, are you going to second guess them? If they've been good this 20 years, then yeah. I stuck, then why? Yeah. So you, you, yeah. you trust the guy. So, and, and that's, that's 
how I want to get with my sponsors. I want to get in a trust relationship. And then once, once I know that their goals and my goals are the same, then when they come out with a deal, yeah, I still need to look at it, but I don't have to look at it with a magnifying glass like I would somebody else that I didn't know. Absolutely. I like that method myself for passively investing in syndications. I always figure the good sponsors, once I find one, if you know I choose not to invest in their first deal, well, if they're good, they're going to have a deal after that and a deal after that. They're going to continue bringing opportunities to the table. So I don't need to feel rushed to invest in the first one. I can just, you know, wait, see how it works out. Right. Yeah. Yep. Nice. I like that. I appreciate everything so far. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Jeff, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. You already know this. We might have gotten one of them out of you already. But are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? I think the, the best investment was probably when I was mowing yards in high school. And, and again, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I started investing in mutual funds. Hmm. And I was probably one of the few people that were 17, 18 years old that was thinking about investing in something for the long term. And again, it was like one of those things I would go to Morningstar and, oh, this, this looks like a good fund. I'm going to invest in it. You know, so it wasn't so much a great investment, which, you know, that whatever that investment was, it's gone away now. But I got into the habit of investing every month, even back then. And still to this day, uh, now it's it's actually weekly because I couldn't stomach the the monthly. The monthly deal was getting too big. So I had to break <laughs> it up into into weekly chunks now. But um, just getting in that habit, whether you're saving for emergency fund, if you're investing in a retirement account, if you're saving to to get into a passive deal, whatever, be into the point where you're putting that money away. And then when a deal does come up, hey, you've got some money to, to invest. Um, perfect example is the coronavirus, you know, the pandemic, you know, everybody is, is freaking out or was freaking out, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But, you know, stuff's going to happen and, and it may start happening, you know, more common now than, than normal, you know, than, than usual. I don't know. But just knowing that it's uh, a perfect time to, to start putting money back both for, you know, something happens and you lose your job or you have to, to go on uh, unemployment for a few months. At least you have some money to live on, but also you've got some money to invest on because that's when the best deals uh, come up, you know, whether that's real estate or the stock market. And, you know, people are, you know, freaking out, taking money out of their 401ks or, you know, they're selling their stuff. Whereas um, if you got some money, you know, or, or they have to, to sell a house or they have to be foreclosed on or whatever, you know, that's the time that um, what's, what's the quote Warren Buffett says, you know, be, be fearful when people are greedy, but be greedy when people are fearful. So um, kind of following his advice. Absolutely. I like that. And it's, it's, it's tough to have that counter mindset and to realize that others are being fearful and you need to start being greedy and and vice versa. It's it's hard to do that. And that's a, a great first investment. 
Uh, we already, it sounds like we might have got, already gotten the answer to the next question out of you, but I'm going to ask anyway, what is the worst investment you ever made? Yeah, it was that uh, definitely that real estate shares deal where I um, lost lost the that investment. That's that's for sure. So that was that was probably the worst one. Wow. Ouch. My favorite question here at the end of the show is: What is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Again, I, I think this comes from Warren Buffett as well. It's nothing new. Uh, I'm sure everybody's heard it, but it's it's true. Whether you decide to do a, an investment yourself or, you know, take uh, passive investing, whether you decide to to be uh, take real estate, whether you decide to go buy a single family home or apartment complex yourself, or you just decide to let somebody else do it, be a passive investor, you still need to know what's going on. So again, I don't, and I think this is from Warren Buffett, you know, don't invest in anything that you can't explain to a fifth grader. I like that one. I like that. Don't, inv- yeah. I, don't I haven't actually haven't heard that one. So I appreciate that. I'm going to, going to remember that one, Jeff, thanks for joining us today. If folks want to learn more about you, they want to find your website and, and learn more about what you're doing, get some of those great lessons. Where can they find you? Yeah, I actually have a, uh, a special guide that I've put together for your readers. So they could go to debtfreedr.com slash free guide. And it's a, uh, a guide that I wrote specifically in my personal experiences and how you can take these steps to start acquiring and making passive income. Nice. I like it. Well, Jeff, thank you for joining us today once again. Until I got into this space and started talking to some of you guys, I didn't appreciate how difficult it can be and and how poor of a job some doctors and dentists and so forth do of managing their income and managing their wealth. And just like the, the case you mentioned, they end up realizing at the end of their career that they haven't created wealth or passive income to replace their day job. And and thank you for joining us today and and sharing the process of how to do that. My pleasure anytime. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks for uh, having me on the show again. It was my pleasure as well. Here we are on a Sunday evening working in our time off because that's how it's done. Everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's a very big help. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. Have a great day and a great rest of your week. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.